Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the definitive show on Airbnb hosting, featuring the best advice on how to maximize profits from your Airbnb listing, as well as real-life experiences from Airbnb hosts all over the world. Welcome. Get paid for your pad. 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 Are you spending too much time managing your Airbnb guest communications? With Aviva IQ's easy-to-use automated messaging service, your guest communications go on autopilot so you can go back to living your life. Get your free Aviva IQ account at www.avivaiq.com. Welcome to another episode of Get Paid for Your Pet. In this episode, we'll be discussing the news as always. And today I don't have one guest on the show, but I have two guests on the show. So it's going to be really fun. We have Margot Smorek, who is the CEO of Hostfully. And we also have Keith Friedman, who is the CEO of Hostwell, which is a short-term rental management and cleaning company based in San Francisco. So Margot and Keith, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be on, as always. Thank you. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's fun to have you on, Keith. We met each other a couple of years ago, and I know you're a very active member of the Airbnb community, very active on the forums, and always have some good opinions. So excited to get your thoughts on certain things. And then Marco, of course, you're on every month. So you know we're used to chatting about Airbnb together. I think the most interesting article that I saw in the news this week is an article on Forbes where they asked a number of veteran Airbnb hosts for suggestions on how to improve the Airbnb website. And so I thought it'd be interesting to kind of go through all the suggestions that are in the article and get your opinion on what you guys think about this. So let's go through the different suggestions. So the first one is about the host calendar view in the app. You can't see the pricing for individual nights unless you tap on the specific date in the Airbnb app. So Marco, what's your thoughts? Well, this is a user interface tweak that I'm sure Airbnb has tested and they probably want you to engage the way they are having you engage. I understand the desire for hosts to make it easier to see the pricing per night, but it might be something that's actually part of their design. What do you think, Keith? I think it's part of their plans to get people to use price tips. If you're mm-hmm. using price tips, you're not really supposed to care what the individual price is because it's the best, theoretically, the best price that you're going to get that day. Are you using those price tips, Keith, for the listings that you manage? We use Price Labs. Okay. I always recommend people to use one of the third party pricing apps. I think the Airbnb app typically underprices. And another thing I would say is, you know, I think Airbnb also has to choose between keeping the app and also the website simple to use, easy to use. So the more features they add, the more complicated it gets. So I think there's a trade-off there as well. 70% of their users, they claim, use the app. So I would think they would want to have some sort of feature parity at least, or or they could always have an advanced mode. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Let's go to the next suggestion. It has to do with keyword search. They used to have this feature where you could search for 
you put in a certain keyword and it will show up the listings that have that keyword in the listing and they stopped using it at some point now when you search for airbnb basically you click on the boxes for the criteria that you're looking for the categories and filters and this user is saying they're not sufficient it's not a matter of adding more categories there will always be words and terms that leave out certain listings and filters so margo what do you think this feature reminds me a lot about like working at apple actually and the the sort of philosophy around the amount of choices that you give customers. And this feels very like that Airbnb believes that they know what's best. They want to make it easier for and faster probably for their users to get to the results more quickly. Technically, it is really difficult actually to have search over such a massive amount of data. And while I can appreciate the complaint, I also can appreciate the fact that it would probably slow down a lot of the search results if you truly made keyword search available. So this feels like a very Apple move. It's like optimizing on performance for the sake of variety. And I'm sure Airbnb is like responding to lots of people who want to add different categories that are not there. And they just want to kind of keep a tighter control over it. I can understand from the host perspective how frustrating it would be, especially if you are in a specific area that has specific keywords that users are searching for and you want to make sure that you're differentiating by those keyboards and you can't do it anymore. I can understand how aggravating that would be. Yeah, I think there's a lot of filters out there, right? And I mean, I use Airbnb a lot as a traveler. And I mean, the only thing that I'm looking for is just like things like Wi-Fi and, you know, maybe like a swimming pool or something. I think Airbnb knows the keywords that people search for the most. And I guess they mm-hmm. they base the categories on that, right? But I think some hosts are thinking that they lose out on bookings, right? They think that, you know, they have something specific that people would look for and now they're not able to do so. What are your thoughts, Keith? I think there would be a benefit to the guest who's looking for something specific. If you want some place, for example, with a thermidor refrigerator, Airbnb doesn't have a checkbox for that. So that would make life easier for them. You'd have to be looking for something very specific. As for performance-wise, I think it would be slower. But, I mean, Google's got a much larger space that they're searching, and their search results are very fairly fast. So mm-hmm. I think performance-wise isn't really a good excuse for Airbnb. But I think it's more about control. They want to control what people are looking for, how people are looking, and they want to make sure that the hosts aren't putting secret words into their listings like Gmail so that you can find someone's Gmail address and email them directly and book off the platform. That's my guess. That's probably why they got rid of the search in the first place. You think so? You think that people were hiding it in the description? Yeah, I guess they were. They're hiding in the description, they're hiding them in the photos, photo captions. So Mm. people are fairly clever. But I wonder if you go on Google and you search for a certain type of Airbnb listing, then you would still be able to find what you're looking for, no? You would. So then why does Airbnb need to also do that? But I think your risk of searching for Google is that you're going to get a much broader search. You're not going to get one in the area that's showing on your your map, for example. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess you have to put the location in your keyword search in combination with whatever you're looking for, I guess. Yeah, it's almost like you'd have to pull up the map view and then keyword search within that. I don't think that performance can't be achieved, but I just think it's like an added burden to maintain it. Yeah, I think the the benefit is kind of small versus, you know, the extra effort and everything. Yeah, yeah. Let's see, the next one, I was unaware that if you have the setting to only accept guests with verified ID profile, other people are still able to send you a crest and also book. This leaves you vulnerable to all sorts of situations. So basically what this person is saying is, yeah, you can select that people 
need to have a verified ID in order to use Instant Book, but then they can still send you a request. And then sometimes, I guess, people will accept the request and then later they find out that the person doesn't have a verified ID and now they're worried. What do you think, Marco? <laughs> I'm kind of confused about this because like, this is not an Instant Book situation. Like, it seems weird that you would review the request without with somebody who doesn't have a verified ID and then still accept them. So I feel like Keith and I were just chatting about this earlier. Like, that's probably why this one's anonymous, because <laughs> it doesn't really make very much sense. The complaint is anonymous in London. So I don't know. This one's a little bit confusing to me. I don't think it's... There's some other ones in here that are more interesting than this one to me. What do you think, Keith? Yeah, I think that the host is just a little lazy here. So there's two issues. One is I think the host just doesn't want to do the extra work to look and see that the inquiry was from someone who's not yet verified and then ask them, hey, can you get verified? And I'm happy to host you. The other is I think Airbnb has a problem with education. They don't do a very good job of educating hosts on how their platform works. The checkbox for verified ID is only under Instant Book. So in their mind, that means that there's an association between those two things. But I certainly understand why this host thinks I clicked that and therefore I should only ever be getting inquiries from people with verified IDs. Oh, so you just think it's like their misunderstanding of the platform, not that they're actually accepting somebody when they know that there's no verified ID. It's user error. Yes, that's my assessment. Mm, okay. Well, I have nothing to add to that. So let's move to the next one. This person <laughs> is looking to charge differently for adults and children to make it more affordable for families. So I guess they want to provide a discount to children. There's already a drop-down menu for selecting adults versus children or infants. So it should be simple to add differential costing. Margot. Yeah, I think this one is, could go both ways for me. I am a parent. I have kids. And I can understand why families would want or even hosts would want to be able to charge less, especially for an infant, because they're not going to do anything. But there's a big difference between an infant and a 10-year-old child. And in some ways, like you'd want to charge more for a 10-year-old child than you would for an adult. I think that having flat rate pricing for extra people makes sense. There have been cases that I've heard of where if you're traveling with an infant and you just contact the host and you make it clear that you have an infant and like they're not mobile and usually the host is very lenient about allowing the infant to stay without any extra charge. So I just think that's probably such an exception because it only happens for a year or two out of the child's life. And then after that, I think it makes sense to charge for them. But I don't think having like differential costs makes sense. I mean, then it, then you have to have Airbnb defining what's a baby, what's a child, what's an adult, like that just seems really too much, like too complicated. I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, I think pricing is already a very complicated task for most Airbnb hosts. So, you know, you can already select different pricing for weekends and weekdays and months and discounts and God knows what. So I feel like it just complicates matters. If you as a host want to provide a discount for younger people like babies, you could just say in your listing, hey, if you're bringing people under the age of X, then you don't have to select them. You know, we select mm -hmm. fewer adults. What do you think, Keith? I would agree with that. You can always do a special offer and adjust the fee. I would set my extra person fee to the most expensive one and then give people a credit back after yeah. they've booked. But it does make it a little more difficult because when they're searching for the prices, you're going to look more expensive when you're really not. So that's, I think, why this host might actually want this. I do agree that it complicates the user interface and it would make it a little confusing for people to understand What's it going to cost if I add a day and things like that? So 
I agree with making it simple. What I would ask for instead is an extra person cleaning fee. And that's mm-hmm. something we've been asking Airbnb for for a long time. And if they're not going to do that, they're certainly not going to give you different rates for different types of people. Hmm, interesting. What about zombie listings? That's, I think, a topic mm. that's been discussed within the community a couple of times. This person is suggesting that listings that have no reviews within a year of listings should be removed from the site. These dormant listings just crowd cities unnecessarily. I think that's a good point. What do you guys think, Marco? Yeah, well, I think this really comes down to positioning for the company. And if Airbnb were to take down those zombie listings, then the number of listings that they would have would go down. And I think that would be a negative signal for investors who they are definitely trying to court right now. You know, if there's any big signals of softening within Airbnb's business, like it's really going to be hard on them to raise more money, which they're reliant on at this point. So they don't have that option. And I think that there are really good reasons why they should be taking down those listings for customers, but for the company, they probably cannot. I'm leaving the thing about the legislation stuff to you, Keith, because I know you have (laughs) some strong feelings about it. (laughs) I do. I think a lot of Airbnb needs to consider what they're spending all that venture capital money on. Uh, A lot of that money is being spent on political battles that are much harder because the perception about Airbnb. In San Francisco, for example, there are up to 10,000 listings and there are 2,400 registered hosts. So the politicians keep saying, well, why are, why are only a fourth of the hosts registered? These must be people that are operating illegally. Well, as you said, you know, could be 50% of them might not be operating at all, but it makes it a really difficult political conversation to have when those listings are there. And we've been asking Airbnb to take them down, at least in San Francisco, for years. It really would have made the political fight a lot easier if the numbers were real. And it would have made it easier for Airbnb. They spent a lot of money suing the city because the city passed a law to try and get <laughs> get those listings off of there. And the end result, interestingly enough, is that Airbnbs agreed to take them down. So as of February, all at that. least in... Right. So they spent all that money and the end result is, so if I were an investor in Airbnb, I would much rather they be spending my money smartly. Yeah. And I also think that, you know, if they take down the zombie listings and they publicize the amount of listings that they have in the growth, they should just be talking about active listings. Well, they should be talking about booked nights, which Brian tweets about all the time. So the number of listings there are is irrelevant to the number of nights that are booked. And so if they have a 1 million or 2 million or 3 million on a given night, having all those zombie listings might actually make that number smaller because if it takes people 10 minutes to sift through the listings to find ones that have recent reviews or ones that they're more likely to get a response from the host, they might just give up and go to one of Airbnb's competitors. So I think they really do themselves a disservice, even if it helps them with venture capital. I think they do Mm -hmm. themselves a disservice. The next suggestion is to require both hosts and guests to complete the same steps to complete their profile. So upload a photo, verify phone, email identity, and link to social media. That way, anyone with an incomplete profile cannot list a property or inquire about the listing. So basically, this person wants the process to sign up for Airbnb to be exactly the same as a guest and a host. Yeah, no way. They're never going to do this. I mean... From a consumer standpoint, not a host standpoint, but from a consumer standpoint, they're fighting huge battles around getting more people to become aware of Airbnb's dial travel and being comfortable with that dial stay. And if they put up more barriers to getting those people to just try it out once, 
it's going to slow their growth, which is their number one priority right now. So I understand why Julie wants this to happen. I think it would be better for hosts because it would it would give them some protection against bad situations they probably have because the process is not the same. But I just think that there's no way Airbnb is going to implement this one because it might prevent them from growing as fast as they possibly think they can. Yeah. Keith, do you agree with that? Yeah, I agree with her. I think it's exactly that way. And as a host, I actually don't mind that the barrier to entry is low for a guest. But I think the difference is that most of my stays are hosted. So someone's much less likely to book a room in someone's house where they're going to be with the host if they're up to no good than someone doing a whole house or a true vacation rental. So maybe if Airbnb needed to, they could have different requirements for booking different kinds of rooms. But I agree with Margo that the barrier to entry needs to be really low to onboard a new customer. Yeah, I would agree with that as well. I think that's part of the success of Airbnb. I remember when I was planning to list my apartment, I checked out some other websites like HomeAway and some others. And what I really liked about Airbnb was just the ease of use of the platform. And you know, it's so easy to just get started. So I, I definitely think that's a unique selling point for Airbnb. And then they shouldn't change that. Let's and uh, Booking.com has gone kind of a different way. They, to book a room is really fast and easy, but to become a host is on Booking.com is even more arduous than, than Airbnb. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you even have to wait yeah. a couple of weeks before you're able to rent out, I think, right? Yeah, I just went through that process about a month ago. Actually, I do have a listing active on Booking.com, and it took a long time. And you actually speak with someone in person, and they call you and verify everything with you. Like It's very, very extensive. It's like the opposite of the Airbnb experience, which is like online hook up to your social, upload a few pictures. Like it's very, very heavyweight compared to that. Hosts, I am having so much fun running my Airbnb and hosting travelers from all around the world. I have to admit though, ensuring my guests receive all the details about their stay on time can be stressful and overwhelming. Recently, I learned about a cool new service called Aviva IQ. Aviva IQ automates, personalizes, and delivers my guest communications automatically, so I don't have to. Now I can relax knowing my guests are informed and happy. Did I mention Aviva IQ is free? Get your life back at www.avivaiq.com. The last suggestion has to do with disabled people. My husband is disabled. We are forever having to double check with hosts what wheelchair accessible means to them. It's a lot more than a place with level services. It means a lot more things. And I think Airbnb recently acquired a startup that actually focuses on the listings that are wheelchair accessible and that are suitable for disabled people. So I think this is a focus on Airbnb's part. Marco, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so Airbnb just bought Accommable recently, and I love this company. I actually am really passionate about the subject, which is Accommable created a bookings platform that had listings that were all totally handicapped accessible, and it was something that was really embraced by the handicapped accessible community. And they had to do a lot of work to make sure that all the listings were up to the really specific criteria that come with making something handicapped accessible. And I would expect and hope that Airbnb will really get the full value out of that purchase and not only get the listings that were part of that and you know list those as ADA accessible or handicapped accessible, but also 
take the criteria that their company was using and be able to implement that in listings that are appropriate. That said, it's no small feat to have a handicap accessible listing. And I sympathize with people who would like to, you know, retrofit or, or make some modifications to their listing to try to make it more accessible, but really to make it truly handicapped accessible, you have to meet a lot of requirements. It's going to be up to Airbnb to take the lead on the criteria and then also making sure that the hosts are in compliance with those criteria, which is quite a bit of work. So we'll see how that all plays out, but I really hope they can honor the the spirit of the accommodable company that they acquired, because I think there's a lot of value there for many, many people around the world who could use that service. Keith, anything to add? Yeah, I think Airbnb has lost sight of some of its roots and they forget some of the things that they did well in the beginning. For example, the photos. Having the photos verified by Airbnb really meant something to people. And with the handicap accessible, the criteria is there and any any host can check wheelchair accessible. And the assumption is that the host has actually verified that what that actually does mean. And I think with accommodable acquisition, they have an opportunity to do the same thing they did with photos, which is guarantee to the guest this looks like this this is wheelchair accessible this is the correct height all mm-hmm. the accessible features are there it creates overhead for them so then the question becomes will people looking for accessible listings be willing to pay a premium or is airbnb just going to consider it overhead in order to win over that customer base well we have a little bit of time left and i wanted to touch on a subject that i saw was being discussed in, in one of the facebook groups there was a person talking about instant book and basically the person was listing all the reasons why he wasn't using instant booked and i felt the most interesting part had to do with the fact that this person has a listing kind of in the middle of nowhere and it's kind of suitable for young people to throw parties and drink alcohol and there's a little liability in there right in the us you're not allowed to provide an environment for people who are underage under the age of 21 to be consuming alcohol you're not allowed to like facilitate that is my understanding and so how do you do that because you're not allowed to discriminate on age so if a 19 year old person wants to book your place then you know you can't say only people above the age of 21 can book my place because that's against the Airbnb anti-discriminatory policies. But then at the same time, you don't want to have underage people drinking. And so this person saying, well, I can't really use instant book because then I would have to cancel. If I have a feeling that there's underage people that are looking to drink, then I have to cancel them. And then, you know, I'm going to lose my super host status because you can only cancel three times if it's outside of the rules that Airbnb has set for free cancellations for instant book. So what are your thoughts on that, Margot? First of all, I don't think that if you provide housing to a 19-year-old and they go out and buy alcohol and then they drink it at your place, like you cannot be held liable for that. I mean, I've never heard of anything close to that happening in the United States. I think this is more about the host being concerned that there's going to be damage to the property and their inability to prevent that. There's a lot of ways to do that. Keith, I'll let you go into some specific examples because we talked about them. But like, one is that you can just write your listing with a lot of specifics about how partying is not allowed and how, you know, you have some sort of device or service that's actually going to monitor the guests while they're there to make sure that there's no partying happening. I think you can also do things in the way that you're writing the listing that make it really clear that there's, you know, just no tolerance for underage drinking and that you're held accountable for your own mistakes along those lines. So, but I don't think there's actually a legal ramification that the host would bear or Airbnb would bear if an underage person goes out and buys alcohol. I've never heard of that happening. Have you, Keith? I've never heard of that ever. 
No, and hotels allow people 18 and over and they have a mini bar in the room. So none of them have gotten in trouble for it. So I think if you're over 18 in the United States, you're expected to act like an adult, even though you're not allowed to do something like drink, you're expected to, to be responsible enough to not do it. So I don't think somebody else is responsible for anything an 18-year-old does. If you're 17, it's different, but you're not allowed to book on Airbnb if you're 17. Yeah. Uh, as, yeah as for listings, I'm a strong believer in, in writing your listing to be self-selecting. And that goes for age and type of guest and you know what kind of a trip they're going to be having. And it's all in the writing. And with Instant Book, the guest has to agree to your house rules. We like to put in our house rules for houses that kind of might attract party people. We make it very clear that there's exterior security cameras. We make it clear that in houses where there's devices like noise aware or party squashers, we just are quite upfront about it. So we let people know if you're going to come here and you're going to do this, we're going to catch you. We're going to throw you out and you're going to lose your booking money. Yeah, it's all about appearance. Actually, I did some research at one point about security. I worked at an architecture for many, many years ago. And The benefit of a security camera is actually just making sure that people are aware that it's there more than the footage that you have from it. So even just posting one, a fake one with a light actually does a lot to ensure security. And it's kind of a general tip that I would actually pass on to your listeners, Jasper, that you can get these for really cheap and they don't actually need to function, but it makes people feel a lot more accountable for what they're doing. (laughs) So it's just one extra layer of precaution that you can take to make sure that people aren't abusing the space. Awesome. That's very helpful advice. Well, we're running out of time. So I want to thank Margot and Keith for joining me today in discussing all these different suggestions from hosts. And to the listeners, thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed this episode. And of course, on Monday, there will be another episode. So I hope to see you then. Get paid for your pet. 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 Get paid for your pet.